0: Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. On today's show, I'll be answering some of your questions about my journey, both as a school business leader and school business leader coach, supporter, and champion. After some DMs from some of my SBL friends back in April, I asked people on Twitter and my Facebook group to send me questions about anything at all. And I said, if I got enough, I would do a solo Q&A episode. And she didn't let me down. So here it is. It's been a long time coming, but here are my answers to your questions. All 16 of them. 10% braver. Let's dive in. Okay, so question one. If you hadn't gone into education, what would your career have been and why? Well, I remember wanting to write books and for magazines for a long time and I actually even toyed with the idea of being an English teacher at one point. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast Um, but the reality of teaching a class of 30 children quickly brought me back to earth. I actually went into my primary school I used to go to sat with some of the children and some of the teachers and thought wow what an amazing job but really not for me I toyed with the idea of secondary school probably took that a bit more seriously even looked into a teaching degree at one point that was actually when I was still at uni decided against it and thought no you know what this really isn't for me it's it's not what I'm meant to do so yeah writing and teaching interestingly enough both big parts of my job now I do write for magazines which is good And there is an element, obviously, of teaching with my sports sessions and masterclasses and the work I do for MPQH and MPQEL. So I suppose in a really roundabout way, I do write and teach for a living. So yeah, writer and teacher, just not quite
1: how I thought. Question two, how did you become a school
0: business manager? By accident, like so many of us, in truth. I didn't know there was such a thing as a school business manager. I went to uni, I did some admin jobs part-time while I was at uni, And obviously, I just toyed with the idea of teaching, which I said before, discounted that, needed to make some money. Um, So I used my admin skills. And when I left uni, I took a job as a PA to a regional director in a security company. So I thought, if I can be a PA here, I can be a PA anywhere. And I can just try different sectors and different jobs and see what works for me. I think I worked there for 12 months. My boss said that he was leaving. Didn't like who his replacement was going to be. So I handed in my notice and I needed a job quick. So I ended up working as EPA to a head teacher in a secondary academy. I didn't fancy going back into education. I'd already kind of vetoed that as a career option. So I saw it as a stopgap at that point. By the time I'd had a tour of the school, I'd listened to what they were about and their ambitions and their vision for the future. I really just wanted to be a part of the journey, even in a small way. So I got the job. And soon after, I was promoted to HR officer, office manager, and then school business manager. By the time I was 25 a challenge for sure.
1: Question three, what was your favorite thing about being a
0: school business manager? Oh, wow. Um, So many things, the variety, the pace, the job satisfaction. It's literally beyond anything I've ever experienced. And the people, I've worked with some amazing people And also, the school I was in at the time was RI, and there was lots to do, lots of problems that needed solving, lots of things that needed to be fixed. And that's something I absolutely love. And I think that actually pushed me on in terms of taking on more and more. Before I knew it, I was a school business manager. I didn't get a chance to think about it. I love a puzzle. I love a challenge. And as cheesy as it sounds, I enjoy making a difference. I really didn't enjoy school at all. So I figured if what I was doing could ultimately help our students have a better experience than I did, it was worth it in a way that I can't put a price on. Question four, what made you decide to come out of schools? Well, just to kind of go back in time a little bit, put a bit of context to it. My first SBM job, like I said, was in a secondary academy. And then I eventually started doing some work across the map, doing HR, school improvement and governance projects. Then I moved into a small mat because my first mat was quite large. I moved into a small mat as a school business manager in one of the schools. Then I was promoted to a chief operating officer. And then I took on the role of chief finance officer with that as well. I actually loved it. In terms of career progression, it was amazing. The role was amazing. The schools were amazing. But there were big issues facing the trust. And I worked with lots of nice people who were trying to do the right thing. But ultimately, in the end, I didn't agree with some of the decisions that were being made. It wasn't necessarily a case of right or wrong. We just had different views of the world. So they made their decisions and I made mine. I think when I say it now, it probably sounds quite simple, but it wasn't as straightforward as that. And it was something that happened over time. There were things going on in my personal life as well. And I wasn't happy for quite a while, actually. And my husband kept saying to me, why are you putting yourself through this? You know, just move on. Just try something different. And he's actually been self-employed his entire life and said to me, why don't you set up on your own? Why don't you do what you enjoy and and try it? Just see how it goes. You can always go back into a school if it doesn't work out or if you don't like it. So, yeah, I think I resisted that for for quite a while. And it actually came to a point where I thought, no, actually, I can't do this anymore. I I need to move on. and, And why not? I think sometimes it's just about knowing when is the right time to leave, when you've done enough. I think sometimes that can take the most confidence and the most courage. Ultimately, when I looked at the choices I had, none of them lit me up. I knew I had something to offer. I just didn't know how I was going to make it work. So I took the plunge. I handed in my notice. I worked my three-month notice. I set up a business. And yeah, I haven't looked back.
1: Now I get to do what I love every day.
0: Question five. How do you keep current when you're not working in a school? Okay, this is a good one. And the main way that I keep current is by talking, which is great because I love to talk. So networking, speaking to school business leaders and school leaders. There probably isn't a day that goes by when I don't talk to someone that works in a school one way or another, whether it's, you know, having a coffee and a catch up or giving advice or even formally working with them in some way. Obviously, I draw a lot of my experience as a school business leader and my skill set in terms of dealing with people, difficult situations, and I remember how lonely it was trying to figure things out, you know, how to deal with staff, how to deal with your head, how to deal with your SLT, how to stand your ground, how to push yourself forward, how to get recognition and how to get your head around some of the things that we're expected to know where nobody thinks to actually teach us. You know, I've lived it and I've made my fair share of mistakes. And I always say everything I'm teaching you is because of a lesson that I've learned. So if I can help you get there faster as someone who's been there and lived it, then I'm good with that. In terms of my knowledge, I keep that up to date as possible, obviously by reading a lot, again, by networking and attending conferences when we can. Can't wait to see everybody, by the way. So please do come and say hi when we do actually get to go to conferences again. But when it comes to the finer details of things like legislation updates or GDPR and procurement, I just refer people to the experts. You know, I think there are some things that you just can't know unless you head down, sleeves up doing it every day. So yeah, I will refer people and I'm not afraid to say that's not my thing. I don't know. Question six,
1: do you have a special talent or party trick? Wow, that's a question.
0: Um, I don't think anything super crazy. I am a very good speller. That sounds incredibly boring. Um, But yeah, they actually stopped giving me spelling tests at school and my family and friends regularly use me as a dictionary. Um, Oh, I also used to build PCs. I did build PCs for a while as a sideline. Before the Apple boom and when PCs were super expensive, my CD-ROM broke. You remember those and I was charged a stupid amount of money um, for someone to fix it and I saw the guy repair it and he was literally two screws and plug the new one in and I thought oh my god it would be so much cheaper if I could build this myself so I took a night class I learned how to do it I don't think I could do it now but I did save myself a shed load of money at the time so I was thinking like a school business manager even then so
1: yeah spelling and building pcs Question seven. What is your favorite ever conference or training experience?
0: Wow, um the Ed exec conferences have a special place in my heart, I think, probably because it was the first proper external conference I ever spoke at to my fellow business managers, and I was absolutely bricking it a bit like I am now to be honest, and I ended up speaking at that conference by accident because the editor had actually been in touch with me about writing an article, and I had. Missed the email and I apologized in a reply to her saying, I'm so sorry, events overtook me. Don't even know what possessed me to use that phrase. But she was like, oh, you do events. We've got this conference coming up. Would you like to speak? Have you done this before? So I was honest and I said, well, I've not done a big conference before, but I have spoken publicly and it's been okay. And yeah, I'll give it a go. You know, my motto is say yes and figure out the how afterwards, which literally, it was literally like looking over the edge of a cliff for me. I remember walking into the room and seeing it full of people. Like There was like 40 chairs that were all full. There were people stood at the back of the room. And I walked down the middle to the front with my PowerPoint on the screen, put my bag down, looked at them, and immediately walked back up the aisle and towards the back of the room where the water was. and poured myself a glass of water. And I literally stood there and thought, my legs are going to give out in a minute. I can't believe I'm doing this. What on earth am I thinking? And I just screwed down the courage walked back to the front of the room, started talking. Sure, I rabbited on too fast, but I think it went okay because people actually stopped afterwards and started asking me questions and chatting to me. Um, so yeah, that was how I ended up speaking at an ed exec conference. And since then, the presentations have evolved into bespoke workshops where I do sessions all day with small groups of business managers. And I absolutely love it. Now I'm not sure if I'm doing a presentation or workshops this year. I will be at ed exec Manchester this year. Um, so if you've got any ideas in terms of what you want me to talk about, or if you would like to see a presentation or a workshop, please get in touch. Just drop me an email. Sorry, complete sidetrack. So yeah, conferences ed exec, definitely. I think also from a training experience, the SBL support sessions that I did in August 2020 were really special to me because everything had kind of changed so much with lockdown. Everything had shifted. Business managers, I think generally were in a really difficult place. And over a hundred business managers actually signed up to attend the SBL support sessions. I did confidence building, line management, and career progression. I've done them twice since then. And I think actually almost 200 business managers have done them all together. They're still super popular. And I think people have actually done them twice, or some people have done them twice, um, which is lovely. Obviously, I'm sharing tips on these topics. But the main thing is that people get out of it that they've said to me is, you know, I'm so glad it's not just me. I'm not alone. I feel less alone by coming to these workshops and sharing my experiences and listening to others and getting tips. And that literally means the world to me. I also launched my SBL group coaching program in September, a um, small group of school business leaders, 13 week program, one to one support, group calls, and email support as well. And again, I absolutely live for it. I really do. When I hear things like, I asked for what I needed, I had the conversation. I've moved forward, I've made progress, I feel more confident, I'm speaking up in meetings, people are listening to me. That's when I know that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be and I'm doing the job I was meant to do and I love it. I also love being responsive. I constantly ask for feedback and ideas and if you subscribe to my mail list then I probably annoy you because they ask for it so much. But all of my masterclasses, my coaching program, it came from SBL saying to me, I don't know this, can you help me? And then hearing more people say the same thing, I'm like, yes. I've just launched an SBLCPD survey. Actually, I'll put the link in the show notes. But yeah, I'm always asking for feedback. I always want to know how I can help. So, any ideas? Whatever you need, just get in touch with me and we can have a chat.
1: Question eight: What is the best or coolest project you've ever worked
0: on? I don't think that there's a better feeling than working with people who get what you're about and the value that you can add. I have worked with some brilliant leaders, and that has made all the difference to my well-being, my job satisfaction. And the impact that I can have when I know I'm trusted and I'm given autonomy and I'm listened to. So if it's recruiting people, bringing a budget back into line, moving a school out of special measures or seeing the children eating the new canteen or playing on the new equipment in the playground. There are so many rewarding things and projects I've been a part of. So I can't just pick one. But I will say this. I am working on a project right now, which is definitely big and
1: hopefully cool. So watch this space. Question nine.
0: What is your one piece of advice for new or aspiring school business managers? I think Shirley said this best. In education, they do things differently there. So don't panic. It isn't you. We do do things differently in education. And it does take a bit of time to get your head around. But shortcut this by reaching out to other school business leaders, whether it's locally, online, regionally. Just network and find your people. They are out there. We are here. And there's an episode coming out soon, especially for aspiring SBMs. So again, watch this space.
1: Question 10, what one area
0: of the SBM role did you struggle with most and why? Well, it was the last thing I actually took on as part of the SBM role that made me officially the SBM. And it was the one thing that I was convinced I couldn't do. And that was finance. I'd always been better at English than maths. And I had it in my head that I just didn't do numbers. I remember on GCSE results day, my math teacher actually said to me, what did you get? And when I said a C, she said, oh, thank God. It was a real mental block for me. I've never forgotten that conversation, and I know how many school business leaders struggle with this same issue, which leads me nicely into the next question. Question 11. What is the one thing you wish you'd learnt sooner? That you don't have to be an accountant to set or manage a budget or have a strategic discussion about finance. Since I started, I've picked up skills along the way. I've done the level seven sit for finance module after I became a CFO, I might add. And sure, there are things that you have to know, but you don't need to spend a lot of money to find the answers. In fact, that's where my budget setting and monitoring masterclass came from. Everyone who has attended that class has said to me, wow, I knew more than I thought I did. Now, don't get me wrong. They did learn something, but they knew more than they thought they did. They really thought they didn't know finance because they didn't have an accountancy qualification. Now, I feel quite passionate about this topic. Please don't misunderstand me. It's great if you are an accountant or you have a finance qualification. Of course, it is is an advantage. It's an asset, but it is not a magic bullet especially if you prioritise that qualification over knowledge and expertise in the sector. Now, because of the financial position of the sector overall, I totally get that it's necessary to have expertise in this area. But it doesn't have to be your school business manager or your chief financial officer. You can have a finance manager or a management accountant working the system, crunching the numbers and getting the data out that you need. But the role of the chief financial officer, it's about the chief bit. It's where the leadership and the knowledge of the sector comes in and how they demonstrate that, what they do with the financial information. So, what I'm saying is, having an accountancy qualification doesn't safeguard an organization from having financial issues. That's actually more about governance and the way that the business functions are valued, discussed, and incorporated into the strategic planning and decision making of the school.
1: Question 12 What is your favorite friend's moment? Oh, that's a change of pace. Okay. All right, this might actually be the hardest question I've been
0: asked so far. Okay, I'm going to say the one where. Rachel and Monica lost the apartment in a bet to Chandler and Joey. The one with Ross's couch was funny. Well, pretty much anything with Ross, actually. His tan, his leather pants, his teeth. Or the one where Rachel and Phoebe are trying to convince Chandler and Monica to confess that they're in a relationship. They don't know that we know that they know. Nope, there are too many. That's it.
1: Too hard. Can't do it. Question 13. Resilience is key. How do we keep this going? School
0: business leaders may often feel lonely, but we are never alone. Now, just bear with me for a minute, but school business leadership CPD is usually geared around acquiring knowledge, you know, GDPR, safeguarding, safe recruitment, health and safety. We jam our brains full of all this knowledge. We go to our office, we shut the door, we sit down at the desk and we think, what on earth do I do now? Where do I start? How can I make this work in my school with this issue, with this obstacle? You know, there's not much out there, I don't think, in terms of personalized and bespoke support that meets school business leaders where they are and looks at them individually and says, how can we help you? And it's one of the reasons that I do what I do. I love meeting people. I love getting to know them. I love getting under the skin of what's going on and helping them find solutions, empowering them to take action in their context, but in a way that is not only authentic to them, but is also relevant in their situation. It's not as simple as saying, well, this is what I did. You do it too okay, sometimes it helps, but it's more about saying, okay, here are some options. This might work, that might work, that won't work. Well, could we tweak this to work? And how are you going to do it? You know, how are you going to make that sit well with you in terms of the way that you want to be seen and the way that you want to lead and the words that come out of your mouth? I think the power of having someone, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else or some people or a group of colleagues or a network of peers to ask not only the knowledge stuff, but also that other stuff too is amazing." The power of the collective SBL community is something that I am in awe of. And I'm constantly amazed by the way we look after each other, not just in a what's the best finance system type stuff, but I've had such a terrible day and I don't know if I can do this anymore. There's always someone there to pick you up, you know, and of course, affirming things like, yes, you are underpaid, ask for more, ask for what you're worth. We are each other's cheerleaders and it is one of the most inspiring and motivating and Empowering networks to be a part
1: of. And I am proud to be a part of that.
0: Question 14. When someone is at a crisis point, e.g., wanting to leave their job, feeling overwhelmed, what would be your first piece of advice and then the next steps? Okay, that's such a big question. First of all, I would say when you're feeling that way, it's really hard to tell if you're falling out of love with your job or whether it's where you work. Or whether it's just a rough patch, you know, I would say don't pull the parachute too quickly. That is my first piece of advice. Don't make decisions in the heat of the moment. Try and get some perspective. I actually wrote a blog post about this. I will put a link to that in the show notes. It's 10 ways to decide if you're in the right job. It talks about things such as how you talk about your job to other people, the tasks that you do, what your days are like, your work life balance the values and culture of where you work, what things are like with your line manager, your colleagues, whether you can access CPD, how you're generally treated, all kinds of things. It asks you questions to help you arrive at as close to an objective decision and conclusion as possible. So yeah, don't make a decision in the heat of the moment. Spend some time reflecting on the situation, try and get some perspective and speak to your loved ones as well. It's what I did and I found that really helpful. So yeah, take all of that into account and then make a decision. Don't rush. Speaking from experience. Question fifteen: If you could be approached to coach anyone, past, present, celebrity or not, who would it be, and what would you try and empower them to do? I am actually terrible at these kind of questions. Like when people ask you who would be your ideal guest at a dinner party, I never know. I also never look at people and think you need coaching, or if you'd have just had some coaching, it would have all worked out okay. It's such a personal thing and a complex process. I love my
1: job, I love who I coach. So, like I said before, I'm exactly where I need to be. Question 16. You're always talking about being brave. What is the bravest thing you've ever done? Oh wow.
0: Um, I was shouted at in a meeting once about the meeting papers, actually, something completely trivial. This person actually screamed at me and he was in a position of authority, not my line manager, but he was someone who had no place speaking to me that way. Well, speaking to anyone that way, in fact, it was a professional meeting. Lots of senior people were there and it was so bad. It actually shocked me and the rest of the room into silence. I think everyone was just completely agog at this outburst and it felt like it went on forever. I was burning up. I was going red. I actually don't think I've ever felt so humiliated in my entire life. I was actually shaking. One part of me wanted to stand up and shout back at him. That was my natural reaction. And the other part of me just wanted to run away. So I settled for sitting there. I let him finish. And I said, your comments have been noted. And the meeting continued. I knew that out of everything I could do, that this would be the most powerful. Sometimes you actually don't have to respond. His actions spoke for themselves. And when I said that, I saw the light bulb go on as he kind of shrunk back into his chair. Afterwards, obviously, I did talk to my line manager about it, but I didn't need to do anything else because he resigned from his position the following day and also a number of other people had actually complained about him. and They'd been in the meeting as well and they'd seen it. So, so I think, yeah, the bravest thing I did was sit through the rest of that meeting as I refused to let him know that he'd got to me or that he'd made
1: me feel bad as he actually did in that moment. Another brave thing I've
0: done is stepping out of schools and becoming self-employed Moving from behind the scenes to front and centre is probably one of the scariest things that I've ever done. But I knew that I knew things that could help people. So I've stuck with it. I've been me. I've embraced 10% Braver. I've showed up. I've kept showing up. And I plan to keep showing up. So yeah, bravest moments. Sitting through that meeting and stepping out of schools. Putting myself forward in a way that is not only brand new, um, but super uncomfortable. It is less uncomfortable now. It does get better with practice, but mainly it's got easier because the SBL community have been so supportive and welcoming. The SBL community has been my home for a long time and I'll continue to support, advocate for and champion school business leaders for as long as you'll have me. Well, it may not have been my normal podcast setup, but hopefully you enjoyed it. If you've got any questions at all or would like to chat about anything I've touched on in this episode, then you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram under the same name at LauraLJBusiness. And of course, you know I love to hear what you think. This week, even more so. So please do get in touch and share your feedback. Make sure you check out the show notes as well on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk for more useful links and resources. Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And finally, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.